You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, and welcome to another exciting episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, and this episode has a chain of change of scenery for our team. They leave Berlin and are now driving through the mountains and on their way to Venice, Italy. But what we wanted to do was take a moment in between chapters and just do a catch you up in case you're joining the podcast now. Uh, a lot of things did transpire, so we thought we'd go into a radio voice and read to you the background, the uh, situation as it's been so far. Our story so far. We first meet our daring investigators when they're all invited to attend the opening of a new exhibit showcasing the funerary barge of Egyptian pharaoh Seti I at the British Museum. Then, at the after-party held in the Wiley and Sons bookshop, the team helped foil an attempted robbery. In the process, they learned that the thieves were after a volume of poetry that had been written by a close friend of Aleister Crowley and had an inscription in the book to the magician on the inside cover. Upon a closer look, they discovered a key sewn into the binding that would ultimately lead them to a lockbox owned by none other than Rose Edith Kelly, Alistair's first wife. After discovering that Percival Reese, the head of Egyptology at the museum, could be in danger, our team rushed out to his country estate in an attempt to save him. There, John, Aveline, and Catherine came across fanatics, broken bodies, the horrible name of an entity known as Awas, and a ritual sacrifice they were too late to stop. Reese was dead. On the grounds of the estate, Sid and Faye have a chance meeting with a semi-lucid Rose Edith Kelly, a strange woman who is becoming more and more important to these cryptic goings-on. Feeling that events were converging, they took the key they found in the poetry book and tracked down the bank where the safety deposit box was located. Inside the box, they found a dark prophecy from a turn-of-a-century spiritualist, Helena Blavatsky. The passages in the prophecy describe six items of power that, when collected and activated, would unleash some terrible disaster upon the world of men. The items were documented as saying they were the bones of an innocent slain in the land of the gods, the cloth of a diabolical zealot, a book of sin bound in human flesh, the sigil of a maiden lost in an icy grave, the tongue that had kissed death, and the dreams of God. So our five friends sent out to recover the closest item they could identify, the Nazi blood flag. This seemed to fit, which fit the best description of a piece of cloth worshipped by a zealot. They arrived in Berlin by plane, and after a small affair, in which our beloved Catherine Ross, plagued by visions and a horrible name of Awas, attacked the pilot and nearly crashed the plane, this was not the first time Catherine had heard the name Awas spoken to her, but she was not yet willing to delve into the meaning of the visions or the word. The city of Berlin was almost the exact opposite of London. It felt alien and surreal to them. The wanton nightlife where sex, drugs, and blaring music ruled the streets till dawn when the police and rival political factions amassed to take back their tenuous control. As various members of the team reached out to contacts to ascertain the location and potentially the success of confiscating the flag, Faye Dawson went to an occult shop and had the misfortune to run into Klaus Mueller, a high-ranking member of the Socialist Party and Hitler's top warlock in the very secretive Fool Society. After being interrogated, Faye was left in a cemetery to die at the hands of living corpses. But she was saved by the last minute by Heinrich, a creature she thought for certain to be like the other ravenous dead that assailed her. But something made him hesitate, long enough for Faye to make her escape, but not without serious injuries that nearly cost her her life. After recovering and murdering two of Mueller's agents, the team were approached by members of the Communist Party to stage a fake assassination against its party leader so as to incite an already angry, overworked mob to attack their bitter rivals, the Nazis, at the Reichstag. It was decided Sid, with Catherine's help, would take the shot, while John and their new friend, the international crime-fighting fiend, The Reflection, would meet to steal the flag from outside Hitler's office 
in the House of Parliament. Aveline was tasked with driving the wounded Fay to a town outside of Stuttgart and to ensure her safety in both body and spirit. Mueller had attacked her in more ways than simply physical. Aveline did take Fay out of the city, but then turned and came back, not wanting John to face his task alone. But in doing so, she revealed her secret that she is the mysterious crime fighter he had been waiting for. Back at the hotel, with only minutes to go before the shot, Sid realized the plan was set up and begged Catherine to leave. Changing locations at the last minute, Sid was able to uphold his part of the plan shoot the po and shoot the politician, thus sending the mob screaming for justice towards the German building where John and Aveline were in wait. As the crowds gathered and began to shout and protest, the security staff of the Reichstag and all the brown shirts inside were summoned to the plaza to defend the building from rioters. That gave Aveline and John their cue, and they made their way towards the flag. However, just before securing it, Mueller appeared and warned them not to take it. He told them they would be compelled to use it and that it would be their undoing. Our heroes briefly considered his words, but in the end, they could not suffer Mueller to live, and Aveline shot him twice in the chest, with John putting a third solid round into his forehead, just to be certain. As they fled from the building, flags securely tucked into John's satchel, they emerged from, escape, from an escape tunnel and began running towards their waiting car. When John Schooley saw Mueller standing across the boulevard, glaring at him, but very, very much alive. Now our team has decided to take several weeks off to mend their wounds, research and compare notes and thoughts before setting out towards Venice, Italy, and the Bible bound in human flesh. Okay, so I want to welcome everybody tonight. We are one short, unfortunately, here in the home base of the Bardic College. We had a really nasty storm hit the state, and um, we are down Professor John Schooley for the evening, so he will be um, played in proxy, sort of, for a brief few minutes. Uh, but other than that, the rest of us are here. The team has taken on aliases at this point because they needed papers in order to travel because of the heat that went on in Germany. However, we will be referring to them as their names that you know and love. And uh, we don't want to confuse you at home by calling Sid, Clive, and Faye, Sarah. But um, there will be times where we may reference that, but we will definitely point out who we're speaking to. So without further ado, let me get my team on board. Uh, tonight we'll start with Aveline, played by Kayla. How's Aveline doing tonight, uh, Kayla, now that her big reveal has occurred? She's still a little anxious, but honestly, after the warm and surprisingly open-minded welcome of her teammates, it's it's going to make things a little easier for her down the line, definitely, and perhaps she may still be on the lookout for a new mirage in her, in her group of friends and contacts, so that should be interesting. Very cool. Uh, we also have tonight the effervescent, jovial, and downright just a flare with a burst of life um just that sort of person that neon sign out in the desert Catherine ross hello lauren how's Catherine this evening Catherine is she's been better she's had uh three weeks to kind of wrap her head around the idea that there's this curse that's been placed upon her this entity that's obsessed with her she's she can't travel very well no and that has been plaguing her thoughts so she's really been concerned team mom with you know making sure everybody's you know in the peak of health she's been cooking the meals cleaning the apartment hasn't left the apartment in three weeks but she's very much excited like not excited to be in venice she wants to pursue her you know her personal interest in going to that city finding her fiance who may or may not be dead okay. and she wants this whatever's wrong with her solved quickly okay so there's a lot going on for Catherine right now. It's definitely, yes. this is Venice's, Venice is going to hold a lot of uh, answers, hopefully. I'm so excited. Oh, good. <laughs> and we have our now recovered Faye Dawson, uh, who's played by Mel, the uh, editor and producer of our show. How's Faye tonight, Mel? Faye is back up and running. She is so excited. You know, Catherine's been breathing down her neck these past three weeks to stay in bed. But Faye is now fully and completely recovered. She spent her three weeks off um, at the local university and uh, library, just figuring out information, doing a lot of research, 
and she is very excited to get back on the horse and go out. She wants to climb something. She wants to jump over something. She's just excited to be back in the action. So I'm very excited for her. Yeah, normally um, having uh, Catherine breathe down your neck while you're in bed costs extra. So that's a whole... <laughs> That's, that's a whole wow well that's a chargeable thing for a nurse i'm no. sure it's, no uh and rounding up the team the guy we thought we had lost the man the myth the mustache sid poulter played by joel how is sid now that uh things are starting to calm down a little bit joel sid is uh, centered again uh he was very excited to see the team and find that everybody had made it through. He has spent the last three weeks trying to reinvent himself as we all sort of go into these aliases and, and trying to appear somewhat different. His uh, effort, his always present five o'clock shadow has turned into a full beard. Um, he has started dressing uh, much like a country gentleman and has been working on his uh, cleaned up accent, getting rid of his larger vowels to try to sound less like himself and stand out less in a crowd. But he is very much uh, interested to see Venice. It's a place he's never been. Uh, and uh, aside from uh, crossing the channel, he has never really seen uh, a town built on water before. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, your description of him, a country gentleman, I I'm getting a cross between like the Gorton's fisherman and the Irish spring guy. Is that kind of. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. He's traded in the old, uh, traded in the swank look for, uh, you know, the uh, the sweater. The V-neck sweater, the the uh, the woolen pants, and the uh, the old tweed cap uh, to try to stand out less and look more like an English gentleman abroad than uh, than his swanky self. But you're not giving up the pumps. I mean, you're going to still stay with the black pump. No, absolutely. Right, I, I, you know, I think he's you Some know once a man has worn heels in public, it's <laughs> hard to go back. Talked about the Fab Five, right? We know we know that you can wear heels now in public. It's all right. Um, okay, so that's pretty much where we're where we're at. They have arrived in Venice. We're outside the Cobalt Club. Aveline brings the car to a stop. John jumps out, and we'll start there. Everyone, um, I'm going to go inside and get our papers. If you can just wait here for a moment. That means you, Faye. Don't go wandering off. And I'll be right back. So, doing my best John Schooley, which was not that great. Uh, John. I thought it was fabulous. <laughs> I mean, I think you, got the, on. you got the cadence of his voice pretty solid because he is just a chill, charming man. Until he's got Nazis <laughs> shooting at him. Like um, butter. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so he runs inside the mysterious Cobalt Club, knocks on the door. You see it, a uh, panel at the top of the door slide. Um, very venice very doge sort of you know checking to make sure before they let someone in they slide the panel back he says a passphrase smiles at the car things shuts he goes inside and in about 20 minutes he comes out and gives everybody a uh, attache case with the papers that you'll need uh to be able to travel from here and around the rest of the city and tells you that he has a meeting could you possibly swing by and pick him up later this afternoon like at around 6 p.m or 7 p.m and john goes back upstairs so it's 10 in the morning so that'll give everybody about eight or nine hours to begin whatever they want to do to start going through and finding the book Catherine, you wanted you were looking into some stuff from previous episodes about your lost dead fiance and Faye, you had some contacts sid had some stuff so aveline the only one right now that's kind of a go with the flow at the moment until everything starts to kick in is yourself, but you're the driver. So you're mm -hmm. going to be, you're going to have to park the car. And then, because as you know, deep in the center of the city, it's hard to move around with cars. Uh, everything is walking in and canals. So um, where do you want to try to put the car? Just at the place you're staying, um, which is just on the outskirts of the city, or did you want to store it somewhere? What was your thoughts on the car itself? It's it's a rental, right? Or did we buy this a thing? No, this isn't even a rental. This is a car that you did buy. Oh, we did buy it. Okay. You, no, you so, bought it. Oh, I bought it. I bought it. Yeah, okay. that's why you're driving. It's your I mean, wheels. I, would, I mean, I would want to store it elsewhere, like keep it at a secure location, not anywhere where they might, where anybody could find it. Like people trying to track us, I keep it at somewhere separate. That would be my thing. Okay, be my so thing. there's a train station and there's an airport. Both of them mm -hmm. have 
rather large parking areas. There's not even a pay parking system at this point. You would just park your car. You can leave it there. Airport is not monitored, but the train station is. So there is a guy who lets you in and they park it and they kind of keep an eye on the cars in the area. Is that where you'd want to just put the car for now? Yeah, I, I would think that would be a good idea, like the airport, just in case. So the airport then has a, a bus system that brings you to the outskirts of the city where they no longer can drive any further. Uh, and that dumps you off by the time you get, you get John out, everything goes, you get the car parked, figure it's... 10.30, quarter to 11. We'll start at 11 o'clock. And that's where everyone's feet are down on Venice. How do we begin? I am going to meet up with a an old friend of my father's, um, an old work colleague. She's the head of the archaeology department at um, the local university. So I'm going to go meet with her. Um, but I don't know how you guys feel about me going off on my own. Yeah, I think you pretty much know how we feel about you going off on your own. <laughs> Um, yeah. I think, think that might be a bit of a misnomer, but um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're really you bring all kinds of fun when you go off. Yeah, alone. we've been a little, we've been clear. Um, <laughs> so I think someone needs to, someone needs to go with you. Um, the whole team can go. I mean, that's it's not like this is secret meetings. It's however you guys want to do it. Yeah, the, no, just, we have do we have a lead as to where this object is that we're looking? Do we do you have any leads on this? Uh, you had a you know that it, it had been in venice for many years you can try local booksellers you can try art dealers because it is a piece of uh, it's a, a relic you can check churches you can i mean right now you're walking in unlike the other one where you're like uh, okay bam this one's a little bit more of a dig because it's a it's right. a unique item it's something right well that's what i was going to ask my contact because I figured that she would have connections with all of like the local, their historical people, or maybe with the church, mm -hmm. or just people who might have heard where it is. Okay. So that's what I'm gonna mainly ask her about. Is what this would just be like a map, like geographical question. Uh -huh. Is where we're currently positioned closer to what Faye would want to do, or closer to what I would want to do in going to like a military hospital? and trying to find out information, or the square where he was found. Okay, so the piazza where he was seen yeah. uh, is a little further away um, than the university. The university is a very large building. So Faye is, is in that direction. I'm okay with either one. I mean, Catherine, let's be honest. If you're going to have a team member who is versed in finding people or trying to hunt people down, Aveline isn't a bad partner to have on that. But... By the same token, if you want to keep everybody together after yeah. what's happened in Berlin for a little bit, that's fine. Just give me the heads up on how you guys want to approach. My thinking was only that I don't want to, I want to break travel up into smaller increments. If we have to move me, <laughs> let's do it in stages. So go to Faye's place, okay. have that meeting, and then myself and somebody else could then go on to what I needed to do. Okay. All right, well, we can all go, and then if, if uh, yeah. I, I can go with Catherine if she wants what she needs to do that. That's, See, that's fine, too. Any Anyone would be welcome. Um, Keeper made an excellent point about Aveline's people-finding abilities. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Perhaps a network could be employed. Aveline, does that work for you? Yeah, me. sounds good to me. Okay. Great. So the hard part is going to be now that Catherine is entering into the city of Venice – and she's walking because you drove here. She had taken some some medicine, some sleeping pills or whatever for the car ride. And she was in that, you know, comatose out state. The theory right now among the team after several weeks of research is, is that if this AWOS is something from ancient Egypt, there was definitely a correlation in Egypt of crossing water. Water was a sign of you know uh awakening to a new a new existence uh, a transition and venice is full of bridges crossing water so catherine what do you think is if this is true if the water theory is holding water um what is your what kind of an uh, how are you going to handle that what's your thought process on dealing with travel around the city i wish we could have the car yeah, well, that's not possible. But that's not possible? Mm -hmm. When I guess I could never be left alone, 
because like who knows what's gonna happen like if i walk over a bridge and this water theory is correct what's gonna happen um, so i yep. i always i always need at least one human being with me and okay. then i is it i should have mentioned this in I, the idea just popped into my head now okay could could i have over the course of three weeks taught everybody at least rudimentary how to administer like if i if you need to knock me out quickly if i'm freaking out yes dose me okay and then you know get me to a place where you can put me down and then wake me up okay well i mean i've got pretty good first aid I, you yeah. can probably teach me so, easily enough i do too yeah yeah, yeah. so There's... sid and Faye, maybe i wouldn't need to teach them but the everybody else get you up to speed yeah if i'm spazzing out boom so it would be incredibly crippling if every time you stepped across water it was an issue However, there are times that it may activate, but mm -hmm. at this point, it's a theory. And, yeah. you know, everyone is aware that in your purse, you have several syringes that are hit with red tape, um, that those are the ones that they should use. They're already dosed out, you know, to the right amount. So, Catherine, yeah, you're crossing the first bridge. You have the handholds. You're coming over the top. Other people are passing by. And as you hit the other side, everything is calm nothing activated you take a deep breath and you start walking and every bridge that you encounter um which there's probably like seven or eight before you hit the university all of them are making you just like you know each one you build a little bit more confidence but still you're you're very tentative at that point you reach the outside of the university it's three large buildings uh the first one dead in center is obviously done in a very grand style large staircase going up huge columns very roman looking in design you know the whole town it, it, this whole facade is made to look like a like a place of higher learning the whole team is there Faye, you're in the lead what do you want to do i assume that she gave me like directions as to where her office was yeah um, sure right? um yeah. yeah she's inside the administration part of the building which is here uh it's on the second floor and, you know, there's a whole history wing. She's part of archaeology. She's down in that back corner. I go in and go to what I assume is her secretary. And then I just say, um, I just go, excuse me. Hi, good morning. Is uh, Lucina in right now? Everybody make, with the exception of Faye, let's say spot hidden roll. I have a 14, which is three away from critical. Okay, but hard. Okay. I have a 29, which is a hard success for me. So all of you are looking at this girl and... For a moment, she's she's probably younger side of 20, very pretty. She has slightly wavy hair, but something's not... You're just getting this weird vibe from her. And you, you definitely pick up that she's staring at Faye as she walks in the door. Like, she's kind of just like... And, and, and she smiles, and then, of course, I am not so good. But if uh, I, I go... I, I get uh, I get Miss Fengini. I, I I go get I uh, please uh, please uh, sit here sit sit opens you know knocks opens the door about forty five seconds she comes out and she says um, Madame Fengini she see you now uh, she 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 come please uh, you know excuse but then in in tre in tre I say um I I assume I probably know thank you in Italian so I yeah, say that grazie. and then I going and i enter in okay so you immediately see a woman she's mid 40s very pretty but very italian you know the short hair uh she's dressed in black but again she's academia during that time in 1931 but she's in sort of a suit so it's a blazer uh she does have some some nice jewelry on and she stands immediately and walks over and she immediately you know you, you had given your name to the the secretary she looks at you and, and immediately embraces you. And the rest of the group can see that she's misty-eyed. Like, because of the way they're seeing her face, she's nuzzled into your, into your neck, and she's just giving you this really warm, affectionate hug. And she pulls back and she holds your shoulders, and she's like, you look so much like him. You, you, it's so, oh. And she hugs you again. The girl in the doorway quietly takes a step back smiles and shuts the door so the all of you are in the office there's this very tender moment and then she says please everyone i'm uh, i'm i'm being so rude please i am lucinda fangini please have a seat have a seat Thank i you. obviously 
I hugged her back, and I'm like, no, Faye's, Faye's a very affectionate person, so she's hugging back, um, but she is a little bit, um, she is thinking a little bit in the back of her head, like, you know, she is an old friend of my father's, but I didn't really ever have that much of a personal connection with her. It's not like, you know, she held me when I was a baby, like... Not that you're aware of, no. Yeah, so... No, I just say, I say thank you so much for agreeing to meet with me. I hope you don't mind I brought my friends that I'm traveling with. No, no, please. Uh, She says, I am Lucinda, and she walks over to you, uh, Sid, and takes your hand or offers her hand. Uh, I take her hand, and uh, and, uh, I reach forward and I kiss it, and and I introduce myself as uh, Clive Rutland, madam. Clive Rutland, pleased to meet you. The pleasure is mine. And you, uh, uh, Lucinda Fangini, and she walks over to Aveline. Olivia Colson, a pleasure. And uh, Lucinda, Lucinda Fangini, she says it to Catherine. Elizabeth Langford, it's nice to meet you. Catherine, give me a medical roll. Medical roll? Hmm? You know that skill you're really, really high in? I got a 79. What's your skill? A 80. Okay, so you pass. Get it out of the way. I passed, yeah. Okay. Um, it clicks in your head for a moment that the girl in the doorway kind of looks like the woman here. Like, oh. they may be related. So her secretary may wor- may actually be, like, cousin, uh, daughter, something like that. And she's, you know, so she walks around, but, th- but you, you see that you... In the face, you saw there's definitely some some commonality. Okay. All right. So she sits down. She says, "So, um, I you I received your letter. I was so excited to to finally have any contact with with Richard's child or or him. How how is how is he? How has he been? He's doing very well. He um, we live in Brooklyn. Um, you know they still. I don't know if you um, probably were never there. Um, he's still in that old brown." stone that he bought um a couple years before i was born so he's still there um he's working as he's a professor of history at um nyu over in manhattan now and that's where he's been doing he retired from exploring about five years ago Uh, five years ago is right when i graduated so um no he's been living a quiet comfortable life i wish i could see him more often i always make sure that i go and see my father as often as i can but Last I heard, he was doing well. He's healthy. He's good. It's it's good to know. It's good to know. And I, I grieved for him when um, I heard about your mother's passing. I am I am terribly sorry for your loss. I know you were very young. Means a lot. She's always with me. I know she meant a lot to Richard. She was always a part of his heart, very much so. Catherine, make a psychology roll. Aveline. Hmm? Yeah, you probably should do that too. Okay. Thirteen. Oh, I did get a boost in psychology. Thirteen, which is that's a pass. So, uh, Aveline, uh, your character doesn't see it yet. Catherine, this woman is not acting quite normal. You think about it for a moment. You look at her. You look at the woman, the girl outside. You you know when you saw her face, the shape of her face, the the hairstyle. You look at Faye, and you look at the woman again, and you're like. Oh, you gotta be shitting me. You're pretty convinced that they may be related. That there may be a connection. So What did your father do? I don't know, but I'm really nervous. <laughs> so Sid, you're you're kinda just this woman's a very entranced you know, enchanting. She's very pretty, you know, a little bit older than yourself, but she's very well, you know, put together. Just a really warm person she asks if anybody needs a drink or a coffee or something you know she can have uh rosalina bring it is there something you must be a long journey can can i offer you any a beverage of some uh tea coffee uh anything i would love a coffee however i'm very particular about it why don't i go help her prepare it you've been so you've been so kind inviting us in let me go make a coffee i really need it i had a very long flight i want like Three espresso. Catherine gets up, excuses herself. Three espresso? I don't know. <laughs> okay, Jesus. well, uh, she also tells you where the doctor's ward is and, in, in the you know, where all the young students are from medical because your heart's going to burst out of your chest. But that's fine. Um, really? 
three espresso in Italy? I normally do two. Mm, okay. So okay. <laughs> I, I normally do two. And that's why you're so still alive. Much. So they call does... after and she goes, um, Lizzie, you know how I like mine. So, uh, be careful. Yes, dark as your soul. I'll bring you a glass of milk. <laughs> Sid, Aveline, you put an order and that's fine. Catherine steps out of the room. So she says, uh, so, uh, this dig, what, what, how can I help you? What, what do you, I'm so excited for you to be off to, to Egypt. This is, fa this is, uh, this is amazing. Yes. Um, no, I'm, I'm so excited. I, it's something I've always dreamed of, you know, and especially, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of women in our, in our profession. So this is even more exciting to be doing that. But, um, yeah, so I'll be in Egypt, but actually I was thinking on my way over, um, about asking you about something else that you might have some experience with. Um, it's oh. an Italian artifact. Um, the, I'm working with the British Museum right now, too. That's who's uh, funding the dig in Egypt. Um, but before I do that, we're also looking at possibly starting um, another exhibit. And one of the artifacts that they were considering was the, um, the Bible that's bound in flesh that I know that the last time it was seen, it was in Venice. I just was wondering if you knew anything about that. She says, she looks at you and says, you, you wish to know about this book? Why? Yeah. Um, this is, this item is, it, it is a cursed relic. It is not something. What do you mean by cursed? What's it cursed by? It is the only book known to exist that is uh, in the word of words of God, but has brought nothing but but tragedy and and death in its wake. It is. Um, she makes the sign of the cross three times. She says nobody nobody seeks the you know the Bibbia nella pelle, uh, the Bible bound in skin. Bibbia nella pelle. That's how it's known in in Italy. She says. Uh, it's is legend, but it's something that uh, no Venetian would wish to touch. It's it is a, a, a upon our city, and the fact that it was made here, it's it's it is an affront to to God in heaven. I I would I don't. Why would the museum wish such a such a piece of of, of dark lore? And I I don't understand, Faye. What are you in? What are you involved in? I just think that the museum must not understand what they're getting themselves into. You know, they dig up things all the time that they probably shouldn't be getting into. So I can pass this information back along and we won't look for it. But I mean, you must excuse my curiosity. It's what does this book do when it's found? So we'll pause there for a moment. Everyone's kind of sitting there listening to Faye. Anybody can jump in at the same time when they're talking, by the way. Catherine, you're outside uh, yep. with Rosalina. And uh, she is down in a hallway in a small pantry room uh, that is set up. It has, you know, coffee, tea, some form of old style cappuccino machine, if that's in existence. And, uh, you know, the big gold ones with the, the knobs and the valves. She's preparing the drinks. And what are you doing? Um, I introduce myself. Say I'm a friend of Faye's. And that, like, does she want a hand and then in true bustling nurse fashion, I just begin as politely as possible. Like, I'm not waiting for you to say yes. I'm, like, gently helping. She's perfectly fine with the help. She, think, you know, she right. appreciates it. So, Rosalina, how long have you worked at this university? I have several friends that do work that's similar. Do you enjoy it? How long have you worked here? Um, not long. Not long? And it's it's great to see, you know women that are independent and working how did you get the job i'm getting cookies on a plate i'm pouring milk whatever biscotti you're putting yep. biscottis <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever nice. she says um, her new york is coming out she's totally engaged yeah she says um i uh i studied here so uh professor professor fanginia said she needed an assistant uh, to monitor her office a few times a week i i said of course she That's hands really... you the creamer mm -hmm. the no, sugar she's... 
she seems like such a wonderful, like warm, like established woman. It's great that she would mentor you like that. She is someone to look up to. It has not always been easy for her. She, she, oh. uh, well, like many women, uh, you know, things, men live their lives, women live their sins. So, you know, and their mistakes. Don't, don't I know it. I, don't I know it. I have an uncle. He's a dog. Absolute lunatic. A, a dog? He behaves badly. Oh, like... Does his business on things? What? Um... He's a hound for women. He chases them. Oh. Oh, so he's a man. He's a... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are in Italy in 1931. <laughs> um, right. All I can tell you is, is that if, if you're describing Aloysius Banks as a dog to an Italian woman, she thinks he must be like... The biggest pig walking because most Italian men are pretty handsy and uh, perfectly, perfectly comfortable in catcalling, whistling. Uh, they believe it's showing their appreciation for a beautiful woman. It's okay. Uh, yeah. No, it let her let her live. I'm trying to establish a rapport. Like let her think. <laughs> so she says, um, um, "I I am uh, sorry if did was your uncle not good to you? Oh, to me." No, he doesn't think I'm very pretty. So he's fine with me. Oh, you are beautiful. You have such... Your pores. You have such nice skin. Um, Thank you. You are... Thank you very much. I... You are... You're so lovely. Most Italian women are. Like... Grazie. Um, we... You look great. We have the excellent climate. We are just... Uh, we are yeah. no different than... Than you, I may be a little different than you, but not much different than you. It's very different, very in a good way. What color are her eyes, Keeper? The same as her mother's, uh, hazel. It's on my character sheet. Catherine's eyes are hazel. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're we're similar in in one way. You have beautiful hazel eyes. I couldn't help but notice them. Hey, hey, haze, haze. Oh, oh, uh, green. Um, yes, thank you. They are. They're lovely. Mm. And I, I haven't seen. I, I spent a summer, in Italy with a friend, during school. Where? I didn't meet a lot of people. We were, um, where were we? Down in Rome. It was just a, uh, for a week Rome. or two. Yeah, it Peasants. was. They were. <laughs> they were. This is Venice, Rome. This is. Yeah, nice, but uh, you know, not I'm so much... nice. <laughs> I understand completely now that I've been here, mm. but. The, the hazel eyes. I, I'm a student of medicine. I'm a nurse. And I'm, I haven't noticed a lot of Italians with this color eyes. Oh, no. Through all of uh, the, all the South, every, uh, everywhere, there is... Uh, this is really? a common color for... Yes. Just well, very much like yours. I'm su I would be surprised not to find out you, haven't, you have no little Italian in you. Families... English and Scottish to the core were rather boring that way. Um, Scottish men, though. Scottish men. Are you all Italian? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm Italian, but, you know, I, I don't... I know only little about my father. Not so much. Oh! My mother did not tell me too many things, and uh, it's... Uh, so I... He... Uh, he could not stay when when she uh when she conceived he had um he was not in our life so sorry to hear that y your mother raised you alone oh see si. yeah yes yes she uh she was uh, all over the world uh, you your friend that she can tell you uh used to travel and do uh digs and art my mother is a great digger very good um she find many things but, is your mother the professor? Well, no, no, but she she digs too. Um, sometimes in our yard, sometimes it's, I have to get this back. She grabs the tray out of no, your hands okay. and walks away. I I walk back with her, but I stay a respectful few feet back. I, I stay on her shoulder like a parrot. <laughs> no, no, I I'm walking back. I, I shadow her. Tell me more. Tell me yeah, more. I shadow her like a, a like a. She's got my coffee. 
She's got my coffee on she, her plate. She I'm turns returning back to quickly, friends. shakes the tray without spilling it. <laughs> you grab the coffee. She smiles as wick, you know, just this awkward, oh shit, smile. Walks in, opens the door, and Sid and Aveline, when the door throws open, Faye's in the middle of a conversation. The two of you give me a psych roll. Oh, critical. No, that would be a miss. Okay. So, Aveline, um, you look up now, and you can tell as she walks in with the tray, she gives her mother a look like, I'm sorry. And Catherine comes in with daggers, sticking about 50 of them into this woman's back. And uh, you, you give the old subtle, what? <laughs> no, but you're, you're, a, you're a trained crime fighter, so you just give the, the, the international sign of everything okay. And uh, what's, Catherine... What's the shit? Yeah, Catherine shakes what's her head shit? no and takes her seat again. And, and Faye notices none of this, right? You're talking to Lucinda. No, she's... Yeah. She, they came in behind you, so... Um, Faye, what's your eye color? Uh, hazel. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving on. We'll just stick that out there for a moment. Aren't they all just dark browns in Italy? So's mine. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, so Sid's. <laughs> Mine's hazel, too. Mama! Uncanny. <laughs> the hazel crew. Okay, so Faye is none the wiser. However, Melinda is very stressed and her palms are sweaty. So... Oh, come on. Daddy had a little fun while he was in Venice. That's my fine. My father is an honest man. <laughs> oh, he was honest. Loved my mother. Daddy was a traveling man. <laughs> Daddy was a rolling stone. <laughs> hey, when in Rome. You're not no. in Rome. No, we're in Venice. I can't believe you would even say that. Don't you dare disrespect Dr. Richard Dawson like that ever again. He just, He's a native uh, New Yorker. He just really <laughs> likes Italian food. Wow. <laughs> Lauren. When she took for him, you sickos. Lauren, you take a time yeah. out and you mute your mic for 30 seconds. You take a time out. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Go to a neutral corner. <laughs> Let's go. My, my, poor, my poor mother. who. My is, sainted mother. My poor mother who passed 17 years earlier is rolling around in her grave. Is, uh, dishonored, but because she's trying to figure out a way to break out so she can go and murder my father. There's nothing. There is nothing concrete yet. So you're sitting still there. Still wet. It's still wet. It hasn't dried. No. So she she goes on to tell you that the that the book was made in the in the 1300s. It says um, there's no good to this to this book. Uh, church it was kept in burned down. People who tried to seek it. Uh, one man went blind and killed his associate, uh, societes. The, uh, there is nothing but sorrow connected to... This is a book that has defiled the, the word of God. The Vatican has actually made a papal edict that if the book is ever to surface again, it to be brought immediately to the, to the Pope and to the, to the, um, the Liberia. Uh, the library of the Vatican to be put away to to no longer plague men. It is a it is a cursed thing, uh, Faye. I, you are so t such a beautiful young girl. Please don't don't get involved with this, Mister Mister Rutland. Please um, tell her not to do this. This is this is bad. She starts getting into that Italian overworking. Oh my God! Oh my God! Uh, I lean into her and, and and sort of to you know from the side to try to like console lean her. Lean into right? whom? To Faye or uh, the, the, the no the, the, woman, the woman. Oh, so you so yeah. she's on on her side of the desk. You're not body leaning over the desk. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen. No, <on>. no, no. <laughs> I'm just sort of like you know sort of body leaning. Yeah. You know a, a little bit in that direction and to say you know I I will speak to the lady. I I will speak to her and and I I'm I'm not sure where this came from with Faye, but we'll, we'll definitely speak of it. I mean we're all concerned for Faye. We're all concerned. Your your father would not want you to do this to look for this book. Go ahead, Catherine. You're dying over there. I thought Richard was like the stories that Faye tells. He was like an impetuous guy. He would maybe he would have wanted her to find the book in like a safe way. I knew him 
and I I would say that the Richard I knew was a passionate man, but <laughs> but he that's a very interesting choice, madam. Passionate, you say? Please. He for loved... the audience at home, sorry, I was drinking water, and I had to try to keep it in. Did you spit it? He a little bit, but I'm okay. He was uh, so. He desired to know so much about so many things. He's not, he loved knowledge. He loved to understand. And, uh, it is he would, but he would still see that this is dangerous. He would not want to risk his uh, his daughter to do to do this. This was this is not something he would he would want. Catherine still looks a teeny bit uncomfortable. With okay. the fact that this woman has said passionate, and I know what I know. Um, Sophia has also never heard anyone call her father uh, passionate, or uh, what was the other what was the other buzzword? <laughs> she basically called him an Epicurean. Right. Yeah, so Faye is also a little bit like. Hmm. Did, did she not also say gentle lover? I was pretty sure she did. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I think she called him. No! I think she referred to him as Sea Biscuit. <laughs> oh! Come here, Seabiscuit. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. So, advancing nature. So, everyone has their coffee and tea. She tries to get you back on subjects about Egypt. Um, everybody in the room, with the exception of Faye, doesn't realize, I mean, realizes that Rosalina is still back, like, just messing with papers, kind of not really doing much just sort of hanging out in the room um she turns every once in a while Catherine you kind of got your eyes watching her she looks over at the one behind the desk the woman gives a you know just ignores her and keeps talking um so Faye has just typed a very very does Rosalina look like me too well why don't you go ahead and give me a roll Faye <laughs> By typing it in the chat, I was hoping it wouldn't be an out loud thing. But oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'll, I'm sorry. I'll do. I'll take that back. Doesn't no, it's okay. Look like me too. <laughs> we just, she just wants to know. Does she look like? Inquiring me? minds want to know. Definitely, yeah. Because now Faye has like you know she heard that and she's just kind of like, huh, that's a little. Um, what am I making an intel? Yeah. Or a... No, go ahead and make. Um, let's have some fun. What's your appearance? My appearance is a sixty. So that's how aware you are of how you look, how you present to others. Give me a roll on that. Did not make that. Uh, not so much, oh, Catherine. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you wouldn't be doing it under appearance because you see Faye as you see her. Faye sees herself differently, right? Like mm -hmm. someone will say, "I think you have such pretty eyes." Oh, I think my eyes suck. Whatever. Got people do that all the time. So go ahead and give me one more spot hidden roll. Spot hidden? Mm -hmm. They each have an extra finger. This could be like something where, you know, Faye might not see it because, you know, it's like, oh, she doesn't. 42, <laughs> I made it. Um, when Rosalina turns for a second and, and kind of looks back over, you know, Sid's shoulder towards the one behind the desk, her profile hits you. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uncanny. They look a lot alike. Pretty sure you're going to say they each had six fingers on one hand. No. <laughs> Could you take off <laughs> oh. your right shoe? I just have to see my if you have My name is Faye Dawson. You slept with my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. <laughs> Not to prepare to die. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> um, this woman is over my shoulder? I'm... She's behind you. She was. You're sitting, you're having your, your tea, you're British. She looks. Players she just that... keeps looking at at Lucinda behind the desk and then messing with papers for a little bit. But she turned at one point with something that was going on in the conversation about about Egypt. She looked, and when Catherine caught it, because Catherine's dived into this, right? She's dialed in. Aveline's keeping an eye on things, but she looks and goes, "Boom! It's it, That's the profile. Like it looks like Faye." Cath players at home and keeper. 
this is an this is an example of what would your character do versus what would you want to do. Catherine Ross has zero social graces. But what in life? <laughs> but, no, no, no. But, but what? But, hey. But what? But in life, Melinda, who plays Faye, is my best friend, and I would want to break this to her gently. But there's a small part, not so small part of Catherine that's gonna be like, so hey, when you last saw Richard, uh, how was the date? Uh huh. You know, that type of thing. Uh-huh. So I'm torn. I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. Does Sid happen to see that Catherine is fidgeting? Oh. And on yeah. the other side of the room and sort of on the edge of blurting something ridiculous. So she is incredibly break, yeah. uncomfortable. Her, Joel, here's, let's do it this way. Go ahead and make me a roll. Lucinda's appearance is pretty high. Give me a roll. 29. Okay. So that's really good. Combating against her appearance. What kind of a woman drives Sid into the, uh, I think I'll sit here and stare for a little bit. Would the picture that I've presented of a woman in her early to mid 40s, well put together, you know, very, very, you know, very exotic face, beautiful hair. Would Sid be, as a bachelor himself, would he be staring at her longing, de- deeply, kind of just like. I think that probably being someone from. England at that time, she would have seemed somewhat exotic. I mean, the only place he had really been outside of England was France, and Mm -hmm. and that was mostly in holes. So uh, I think he would have thought she was she was pretty and probably more exotic than anything else. Right. So is your point to say that he would be uh, well enamored? I don't know. Uh, Right now, I mean, yes. At some point, I believe Sid would start to pick up on the body language of Aveline and Catherine. Um, Catherine, especially because she's not built for this. Like Catherine is basically ready to do a blood test. She's, she's going to, right. where, where's my paternity testing kit? Where's my paternity testing? If, if I look over it and I see it, cause obviously some of the things that this woman has said are a bit leading mm-hmm. and seem off. They seem odd the way she's saying that she's Italian. Know? Right. But he's not. So, and again, and he wouldn't have that experience. So he'd be like, well, that's an odd thing to say in casual conversation. We're just <laughs> drinking tea. Um, no one's, you know, he's, he's a very affectionate man. I mean, I, mean, I, didn't, like, say, I didn't say he was, he was a Are you saying man. he's a homosexual? Not that there's anything wrong with that. He was a warm yeah, right? he would be, He would be questioning, I think, some of the phrasing. Right. So I think my point is that he just started starting to think that this, this whole conversation is getting a little weird and we're talking about something that we're not talking about, kind of. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where the idea of like sort of looking at Catherine because I know she went to the other room. Yeah. Uh, does she look like basically the caffeine's getting the better of her? <laughs> you tell she them how looks, you look. Okay, so Catherine, who in the past she's lived in England over a decade, she's kind of adopted a bit of their views about sexuality. She's a bit conservative. <laughs> she looks. Okay. She looks like she just found out this incredibly dirty, like, I didn't need to know. Oh, my God. Like, there's something okay. she's screaming to say. And she keeps looking at Rosalie, looking at Faye. She's like, you ever watch people watch tennis? Right, right. The back and forth, yeah. It's like, oh, so God. She looks very is, unhappy. Squirmy. Are there windows across the room? Yeah. That we could look out? Yeah, behind her desk. Okay. Okay, so then I would like to... Just casually get up with my tea, as an Englishman would do, saunter over towards Catherine and and say, Lizzie, darling, I was wondering, you know, if we could look out the window, I have some idea of some places I'd like to go. And maybe we could sort of get to gander as I'm sort of marshalling her with my arm around her shoulder to sort of try to get her gaze away and get her towards the window and, and try to whisper to her, like, to the window, please, to the window, that Catherine. sort of thing. Catherine accompanies him to the window, thanking him, like, silently, like, yay, get me out of there. Okay, so, Aveline, what are you doing? I'm curious as to why they've gone to the window, but I'm just, I'm really out of my element here. I kind of am letting Faye lead the conversation, so I'm just... Okay. I'm so... just, really, she would just be drinking her coffee and just silently observing what's <laughs> going on, like, okay, this is confusing. All right, so, Faye, we've been talking about some generalities. What else did you want to ask Lucinda? Besides, you know, are you my mother? Or... Are you my mommy? Are you my mommy? <laughs> uh, you're my um, mommy. Well, Faye would definitely, and this isn't like me 
metagaming or anything. No. Faye would definitely want to just. She loves hearing stories about like her father. Oh boy. Um, but also, oh, wow. yeah. So I think at some point in the conversation, she would definitely just it like sense. ask about like you know it's um how was it like working with my father? I mean, you guys haven't seen each other in years. Like, I mean, what was he like? He's obviously different with like I would I would compare okay. like my experiences exploring with my father maybe to hers exploring with my father so i would just say you know i'd be like oh listen i don't know about you but i mean uh, the first few times i ever went out with my dad he didn't really let me start exploring until i was probably about i used to go with him but i didn't go in anywhere until i was maybe about 13 14 and he would never let me out of his sight i mean i swear to god if that man could he used to tie a rope around my waist and tie it to his belt so that I wouldn't go and wander off too far. I mean, what was he like when you used to explore with him? It, probably not much different. Uh, he he let me explore almost... Um, I, I was an assistant, a little different. But I know what you mean about the rope. Um, oh, I know it. She says, maybe, um, Faye, maybe we need to, um, we need to talk talking right now what but, do you mean she's getting a little bit nervous she doesn't like when people say we need to talk does anybody like that phrase we need to no, talk? no but um she especially is just like hmm we need to talk either sounds like you know you're in trouble or your mother died or something else right. happened so she's very much like we're talking right now what do you have to say she says i i think maybe we should have some privacy would you care to walk or kind of like look around at like look around at my group and I just kind of say like um if you guys want to wait outside I'll be out in a minute so Catherine's eyes and Sid are really large Aveline is sitting there with a cup of a, a cappuccino or some chocolatey drink or whatever she does, she looks at you and shakes her head no <laughs> I'm good so if you're going to leave, if you're going to get everybody out of this room, you're going to have to kind of tell them, yeah, let's let you guys please go. Yeah. So a subtle, I, a subtle nudge. They don't want to leave you alone. I would think probably right now. Sure. Yeah. I just say, I just go straight outside, outside the door. I'll be out in a couple minutes. Not like I can go anywhere while I'm in here. There's only one door. So, and then she goes, points at the door. Okay. You're muted, Catherine, I believe. There's a rather large window, just, um, as Catherine passes by Faye, she just pats her gently on the shoulder, like, they're there. Okay, so... Okay, now, now Faye is really scared. <laughs> so, Sid, oh, they file Catherine's out. Everyone follows uh, Rosalina out of the room, and uh, the door shuts, and she says, uh, I don't um, ever think to see you, and it is so good to, but... I, I, I don't want to make this any harder than it needs to be. Please, um, I, I think the best way is just to say, um, your father and I, we, um, we were very close. And we had moments that we were um, no, I, more than no, just I co-workers. She says, and uh, Ro Rosalina is, is, um, is, she's your sister, your half-sister. Excuse me? How old is Rosalina? Okay, Faye, so just to give you the timeline, um, your mother passed away when you were... Ten. So ten. she's been gone for 17 years. Right. Making you 27. Rosalina's 23. Faye is just... She hears mm. that, and she's mm -hmm. just doing the calculations in her head, and she is just... She's trying really hard not to cry. Right. Like, she is just, you know... She gets up and immediately comes towards you when you start to look like you're going to cry. Faye just puts her hands up. She says, please don't touch me. I. She backs away. Faye just stands up. And then she just goes, how long did this go on? A few years. He never knew about Rosalina. He had made the decision to go back to your mother on the final day again. I totally understood. Um, she had you. You were young. Um... They had already had some issues with your mother and spells that she was having. And uh, there was, I was not to be a part of his life like that. And I, I never wanted to let him know about her. 
because his place was at your mother's side. I, I had guilt. He had guilt. I, I, it, it was just something. She doesn't have any words. What's Rosalina's last name? She has mine. <laughs> Good, so I know what to put on the headstone. She's just wondering if there's like, you know, if her last name is Dawson or something. Um, No, she um, understand that in in Italy back then in 1931 to have a child out of wedlock and then not even produce the father's name. um, This woman went through a tough time. Faye just is so Rosalina knows who I am or does she know anything? No, she um, when I got your letter, I. I cried. I, I, I was so overwhelmed and, and, and the guilt and the sadness. And I ended up in a moment of weakness. I said that her half-sister was coming. And she was so excited and so trying to... She was... It was any family. I, my family has denounced me. I have... My, my parents would never see me again. My two brothers, they have nothing to do with her. No one, she has no one except me. And she was so happy to hear that, you, you know, we would have a chance to at least see you. Faye's still standing up. She just, oh, she's again trying not to cry. And she just is quiet for a minute. And then she goes, Lucinda, I need process. This. Of course. I, I, I have to go. I'm, I have to go. And then she just, um, she just, she's just speed walking past her friend. She just needs to get out. She needs to get in the open air or right. else she's going to just ass out. Okay. So she just keeps walking. So everybody sees Faye burst from the door. Aveline looks in the office, makes sure there's uh, nobody's there, like doing something bizarre. Um, but you know, the woman behind the desk, she's got her head down. Aveline, you see her, she's got her hands in her, in her face, uh, in her hands. She's sobbing. Um, Rosalina runs into the office. Faye runs down the hallway and starts going down the stairs. Everybody's going to follow Faye, I assume. Is that correct? Except maybe Sid, who goes to try to comfort the lady. Is that, no? Okay. Just making sure. No. (laughs) No. This was a nice. In another situation, yes. What? What what is so terrible that we had to interrupt coffee time? This is our coffee break, people. Is is the door closed into that office? No, no. Rosalina runs in right to her mother. Um, torn between making a joke Hmm. and really, (laughs) would Catherine make a joke? I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Okay. No. Catherine, so did, we did go Faye, get Faye. Did Faye run down the hallway? Yeah, Faye, Faye burst is, through the. Faye has gone. I am booking it. I am all the way down the stairs. I am just Faye's. She needs fresh air, or else right. she is going yeah. to. All right, pass I'll, out. I'll book after uh, her because I I don't want her to be. Yeah, on her grab own. my Mueller. I'm yeah. with so, Sid. Yeah. Okay, so Aveline and Sid go running after. Well, oh, walking Rabbi quickly Mueller. after Faye. Catherine has no one to say her line to, so I'll just follow. Well, I thought you could. I thought you wanted to say it to Rosalina and Lucinda. You know the people that have just been kicked <laughs> and rejected by their family. Fine. I'll I'll say the joke. Wow. <laughs> Rather. No, that was not an invitation. That was a. Do a not make us drag it out of you. I'm I'm gonna do it. Go ahead. So. Speak the um, Catherine pokes her head into the room. Thank you so much for the wonderful coffee and for your advice about this book. Also, condoms were first invented and popul- and started getting mass-produced in 1850, and she walks out. <laughs> Thought you should know. Yeah. And she walks out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked okay. it up. I just fact. <laughs> that was a medical fact brought to you, brought to you by oh, Catherine wow. Rose. Catherine's medical corner, everybody. <laughs> and the sheep sheep. Yeah. Wherever you need to be. So, uh, outside at the bottom of the grand staircase, in the uh, you know at the piazza, of, by the university, uh, out in front of it, uh, the group has you know reconvened. Faye's there, Sid's there, Aveline, Catherine is 
coming down yeah. with a s- slight smug of, you know, a- an air about her of I just gave a zinger to somebody. She's she makes her way down the stairs. Um, the rest of you are are there with with Faye. So Faye, what's going on? Faye is just, you know, she's about like she feels very close to an anxiety attack. Like she is like shaking. She's just, she's crying. And she's, like, trying to, like, calm herself down and, like, slow her breathing down. But she just can't stop thinking about her father and that woman. And, you know, she's racking her brain to see if, like, maybe she saw any pictures of them together. And, like, she's also thinking about her mother and, like, what her mother would think. I mean, she's mostly, like, anytime. And then when she, like, starts thinking about her mother, she just starts crying even more. So she is just, she's a mess. Right. And, you know, that... That's definitely a reaction that you would have when you, you know, when things like this occur. You know, right now, faith gets shaken, heads get shaken, but it, it's, it is a part of, of existence. And in 1931, that was a part of a lot of existence. You know, it was, it was just something that happened when people were abroad and traveled apart. And, you know, sometimes ships passing in the night. I don't have to tell you, listeners, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so in the desert. So, he was my desert chic. Those um, long days. I was young. I was vulnerable. <laughs> um, what, that voice Those long days with all the sweat. Right. The sweat of their work. And they needed to relax. Right. Just my father we're talking about. Richard Valentino. <laughs> as opposed Just to Rudolph. A wave. Just a wave. He was a real Casanova. I love him. Um, okay, so we're going <laughs> to... That was a big reveal for uh, Faye and the rest of the team. Uh, and that's where we're going to call it for tonight. Uh, a little bit of an emotional thing, a little bit of a setup. But there is definitely much more in Venice, much more secrets, more of these uh, heartbreaks and other trials and tribulations to come. I want to thank everybody. Sid, Faye, um, sorry for putting you through that. Catherine and, <laughs> <laughs> and Aveline. We will uh, see everybody next time. And... Thank you for joining us here at the Barda College Presents Cthulhu in Cairo. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.